Hello and welcome to the Keep Northern Ireland Beautiful podcast. In this week's edition, we're going to be going through the most recent climate change legislation that is before the Northern Ireland Assembly. And to go through this fascinating and very important topic, we have Dahi Mackay, who is from the Climate Change Coalition, and we have David Gavigan, who is Belfast Climate Commissioner, two very well-informed voices on this topic. So thank you very much for joining us uh, uh, today. Dahi, I want to start off with you. Why is it so important that Northern Ireland has a dedicated Climate Change Act? Just outline the case for us. Well, I suppose the the usual argument is that almost everywhere else has, and we seem to have been left unertold, certainly uh, on these islands so far. Um, But it's not just about um, copying what everybody else is doing. I mean... There is a growing awareness, thank goodness, about the impacts that climate change uh, is having on our lives now, not just as it used to be this thing in the future that we kind of worried about. Now uh, it presents a very much a, an existential crisis um, to our species and to the planet as a whole. And the the science just gets more and more worrying. So there 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 is a responsibility on the assembly here and ourselves as 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 voices in the community and um and uh, as a whole to uh try and push for climate change legislation to reduce our emissions in sectors across the board and to play our part now you're always going to get this argument that we're such a small place and we're not going to really make much of an impact but but we can and we can actually punch above our weight i think as well um because not only will we make a contribution to um, the overall global fight a- against climate change and um, carbon emissions, but also if we can if we can set out an act, a piece of legislation that is ambitious, uh, that can do unique things and show that we can do things quicker, then we set an example for our other jurisdictions, uh, other jurisdictions that perhaps are of larger populations, and we can have a bigger impact. So think think about when the South set the put the smoking ban in place. Uh, legislation it doesn't matter where it's set what the what the size of the jurisdiction is it can have a big impact internationally so i think we need to think about our legislation uh, in that framework uh, following on from what dahi said there david what, what what would be your case for a local climate change act so for me the key drivers are that uh, on these two islands as dahi was saying in particular if you look at both the republic and scotland uh and obviously, I think there are political issues when when you look at anything like this in Northern Ireland. But the destruction of our ecosystem and our biomes and the abuse, that essentially we will look back and think about how we've abused all the resources of the planet and in particular how we've used the resources here specifically. It's been profligate and also I think it actually will be proven in time that by not embracing a renewable energy strategy, you're actually impoverishing more people than than previously. So there's a huge opportunity to tackle poverty, to improve place, improve competitiveness. This island, and Britain as well, is one of the most temperate parts of the world, and we really should have uh, the, the, the most uh, natural environment and respect for the environment. Uh, my own little obsession when it comes to urban towns is the emissions of nitrogen dioxide, which damage children's brains. And again, in time, that will be proven not only to damage children's brains, but also children's life. So if you look at kids 
uh, propensity for asthma and all the ensuing things. We're just crazy. We're absolutely mad the way we've carried on. And therefore, I think we've got a huge opportunity this decade in these next three years to really get on with it. And the big challenge as a result of the climate change bill is to get this moving with alacrity. And I think Dohi's reference to smoking, as well as the plastic bag thing and sugar, these are things that need to be done now. No hanging around. There is a real need to do this urgently. Okay. And Dahi, you were talking there about the fact that Northern Ireland could actually be a leader in this, that we don't need to go along. Because there is there is a bit of a debate about how far Northern Ireland should go. And there's the natural debates. I mean, David's referenced uh, some of them. There are, some people see economic opportunity, but other people will naturally say, oh, you know, we don't want to put, put Northern Ireland at a at a disadvantage. We don't want to go a bit further than other places. I mean, what would your what would your arguments be of, uh, um, in response to that? There is this argument that, um, you know, we should all aim for 2050 and relax comfortably. Um, it doesn't hold any water whatsoever. Um, when anyone asks me what does the science say in terms of when we should achieve net zero, we should have achieved net zero yesterday. Um, and the sooner we get there, uh, the better. Um, already, um, there's a lot of uncertainty and worry about whether we could trigger uh, so-called tipping points in, in, the, in, the, in the Antarctic and Greenland and, and other places. Uh, and once, once those tipping points are triggered, um, there is the potential that climate change could, could spiral out of, out of control and uh, you would be a fool to, to write off uh, taking those into, into consideration. So we need to, we need to be ambitious. Um, I think we should aim to have a bill that, that gets us to net zero well before uh, 2050 uh, and other jurisdictions are, are moving in that direction. Scotland has set a target of 2045. Um, even if you look at Wales uh, that has some comparisons to here in terms of agriculture, for example, um, they were they were given advice um, by the Committee on Climate Change um, to aim for a target that meant that they wouldn't hit net zero by 2050. But the Welsh Government took issue with that and they have now set a target for net zero by 2050 and now as, as, as the elections unfold um, across the water in, in Wales and Scotland you see um, manifestos in Wales for example where the Conservative Party want to see net zero by 2040 they come we want to see net zero by 2035 so it's, it's very much in the mainstream now that we're having discussions and debates about not only 2050 but 2045, 2040, 2035 uh, and those are absolutely correct because the evidence points us to the fact that we need to get there well in advance uh, of, of 2050 and you know with, with my RSPB hat on um, we carried out an opinion poll here last year that showed that the, the public here want to see net zero uh, by 2045 uh, at the latest, so we we should listen to what the public are saying. We need to take into account. Yes, this will have an impact on industries. It will have an Im impact on on livelihoods. So we do need to ensure that the legislation takes into account the concept of a just transition. Uh, we've seen good examples of that in Spain. Uh, we need to learn from that and ensure that, particularly in regard to sectors such as agriculture. Uh, that they are not put out of business, but they become that actually the champions uh, of ensuring that we get the net zero by twenty forty five. Yeah, and David, um, you just following on from from what I saying there as well. I mean, 
Are you? What have you made of the debate around when Northern Ireland should hit these targets? Because obviously there are divergent views uh, within the Assembly about how quickly Northern Ireland should go and uh, and at what pace. What, what what have you made of of the debate and some of the some of the language around that? So, if I deal with the first point, I think it's a ludicrous and preposterous idea to suggest we can be a leader. At the moment, we're so much a laggard that we have a huge amount of change to take place. You use the word disadvantage, David. It will be very clear by the end of this decade, which is before 2030, eight years and eight months, that if we have not got 50% plus carbon reductions, we will be disadvantaged. Other countries and other cities and other places are moving at a pace which we simply do not understand. What people mean, in my view, when they talk about being disadvantaged is that their lifestyles today are going to be disadvantaged. This is very selfish, what's going on here. We've got a way of living and a habit of living with carbon and everything that carbon is associated, and we don't want to undermine it. And I know that personally, each of us have issues in the way we live. My wife, for instance, puts on the dryer at the drop of a hat. There is absolutely no need to do that in most parts. So these are just tiny things. It goes on and on and on. We eat too much. We smoke too much. We're far too fat. We socialize the costs of all of this. And unfortunately, we have no mechanism in the public sector to monetize the socialization of these costs. It really is time that politicians and elected representatives started to buck up and recognize the cost of what's going on in our society. It is deeply insulting for the most impoverished. And unfortunately, everybody seems to be defending the status quo. It really is time. I'm sorry to sound so strident, but this is this, there is no time to hang about. We are completely the dodos when it comes to getting on with the measures that need to be taken. And it's preposterous to wait till 2045. As I say, by the end of this decade, if we're either in it or not, and if we, if we do well with this, we'll attract more people. And that obviously has a challenge, but actually living in urban centres is one of the lowest carbon emission places to be in. And again, there's a myth in Northern Ireland about not growing the size of our urban centres. So there's a huge amount of change that we need to look at. Yeah, and do, do, do you, you, you've just gone on nicely to the, to, to, to the other bit that I wanted to, to talk to you, Dahi. Um, you know about the, the the language of the debate. I mean, I was I've seen some proposals out from some parties. I know the Greens have been talking about it. Alliance just on uh, uh, Monday morning have some new proposals out there as well, talking about how you know job. This could be a really job creating um, uh, industry if we make the right investments and the right policies. Now we could also, for example, really tackle you know for example issues around biodiversity, which have become increasingly problematic in Northern Ireland. Of course, we saw. Uh, over the weekend, some of the the images from the morns. Um, are, 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 I mean, do you, do you think that that message is getting across enough about the economic and social and kind of environmental benefits that we could have if we move uh, uh, forward on this? I think the message is, is certainly getting across, and the parties, the political parties, are all talking about the biodiversity and climate emergency more so now than ever they're bringing forward proposals uh you know the 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 final part of all of that is this is government changing the way it operates um and to do that i think you you, you do need primary legislation that shows that no uh, senior civil servants and no departments and no ministers cannot ignore um what is set in legislation in regard to the urgent need 
to get to net zero and the urgent need to reduce emissions. Uh, and of course, it cuts across um, so much, uh, particularly health as well. I mean, we've all seen the benefits of not having to travel uh, meaningless distances for meetings halfway across the country um, during lockdown. Um, so there, there's no need and there never was a need for all the all the traveling that we've been doing uh, on our own in small cars. Um, there is a need for a better uh, transport system. Uh, there is a need to look at the fact that we um, are an absolute disgrace uh, in terms of our ammonia problem um, and we need to tackle that. We, it isn't a time for just saying we'll look into this, we'll carry out a review, we'll give it due consideration for a few months. What people want now is, is action. Um, so this bill, this piece of legislation will set a target in place it will ensure that we will have climate action plans every five years, that we will have annual reports in the Assembly on whether the uh, Executive Office and the Executive um, are performing uh, and setting themselves uh, in the right place in terms of reaching uh, that net zero target. And there will also be a Climate Office and a Climate Commissioner um, to, to report uh, on the implementation of the legislation uh, and to help the public hold hold the assembly and the executive to account. So this is about making um, the the biodiversity, the climate emergency, bringing it centre stage in everything that we do throughout the executive, and ensuring that all departments uh, cannot ignore. They cannot go and and build roads without taking into consideration active transport uh, and how they reduce the amount of emissions within the area of infrastructure, for example. So all of these questions will need to be posed of departments uh, within the, the, the executive in the future because they will all have a part to play to, to bring us to net zero. Absolutely. And, and David, um, uh, just on that, I mean, lockdown and the COVID-19 pandemic has really spurred on this debate, as Di was saying there, about, you know, what is essential travel, how, how we work. I mean, it's amazing in the space of 14 months how we have just totally transformed and turned upside down the way we look at work and the way we even look at socialising and the way we do it. I mean, would you be hopeful that some of those good behaviours around, you know, uh, how we're dealing with, for example, you know, travel and, you know, and the impact that then has on the climate, would you be hopeful that that could continue and that a, that a potential act could, uh, could help with that? I'd love to be able to say yes, David. But two weeks ago today, our children all went back to school. In Belfast, there were traffic jams from 8 o'clock in the morning. Now, the regrettable thing was that in my role, and I think all councils and educational authorities, we missed a trick. Before kids went back to school, we should have put out adverts. We should have got the data on the emissions and the damage the emissions are doing. We're chicken livered when this comes to it. It's time we really got on with the whole nudge theory. We need to expose that parents should not be driving their children to school. They should either be walking or cycling. They should avoid. I mean, the weather for the last two weeks has been incredible. There is no excuse for driving your children to school, in my view, if you live within a relatively close distance of, say, two or three miles, certainly within a mile. So to answer your question very specifically, I think there is there a significant opportunity, again, if we turn our minds to it, if we look at retrofitting of housing. Housing represents, in the mini Stern report that we commissioned in Belfast City Council, over 40% and potentially up to 50% of all carbon emissions. I have asked the two departments 
Department of Communities and the Department of the Economy uh, through the help of the acting head of the civil service to work with us on a pilot project for the retrofitting of houses as quickly as possible. I believe there's a huge opportunity to create significant employment, particularly for those who've never had a job, to start the exercise of getting young people, particularly the young men who we saw in the last few weeks can cause havoc to the whole reputation of this part of Ireland. And we could build a really significant program. But again, there's no time to be lost. What's, what really gives me pain, significant pain, is we seem to think it's excusable to spend weeks and months not doing things. Retrofitting of houses could be done immediately. There's a program taking place in Ireland. EcoI did a program recently, a few months ago on this. Why we can't get on with this here beats me. So there's a huge opportunity. In terms of modal shift, I think it's really, really important we start to describe the way we're going to move people from cars into public transport. And of course, it becomes self-fulfilling. The more people that get out of their cars and get into public transport, COVID accepting, the more we will find there's a demand for public transport. We cannot go on the way we have. In Northern Ireland, there seems to be a God-given right that you can get into your SUV if you're rich enough and drive everywhere. Those people, in the same way as the adverts have gone out by the Department of Infrastructure, we need to get over. These people are destroying our place, not the planet, our place. So uh, what was the last point I wanted to make? Yeah, unless we really recognise the pace of change, at the moment, I believe we're destined to set ourselves out for failure. Failure, 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 failure. Eamon Ryan has calculated that we need to do about 8% carbon reductions every year for the next 10 years. Last year, to answer your question very specifically, David, we emitted more carbon than the previous year, sadly, across the globe. Whether we did here in Northern Ireland, I don't know. Nobody's got the data. So if you're going to add 8% reduction each year, the fact is last year we emitted more. So you've got to add that to the next year. So every year we're facing a harder and harder hurdle. I think it's time we really got down to this with people like Dohi and elected representatives to really look at the extraordinary measures that we have to take to achieve the 50% reduction by 2030. So for the moment, we're kidding ourselves. There's just too much greenwashing going on. We're all part of it. We've got to stop it. We've got to get down to the really hard analysis on the measures that need to be taken across places and spaces to get this thing under control. And my final point is, if we think this is a free lunch, think again. As carbon tax goes up, one way or another, carbon tax is coming. We will all face higher and higher charges for the lifestyle we have chosen to have. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, I, I just wonder, um, uh, Dahi, in the final two minutes that we have, um, do you think the debate is going in the right way, in the right direction, in the right way? I think the debate is, is going in the right direction. Um, at the moment, we have a bill going forward to the Assembly um, in the time ahead that has the support on paper of two-thirds of the MLA so I do believe we will have a, a climate change act uh, in the months ahead um, we need to be uh, ambitious um, I think we I agree with David we need to go much much further um, there are reports scientific reports now saying that we will probably hit 1.5 degrees uh, global warming by by the 2030s 
Um, so this is facing us, um, coming down the road very quickly um, in the next decade. So it's not something about that our children are going to have to worry about. It's something that's going to have a real impact on our lives over over the next couple of decades. And the, you know, one of the one of the first cases of that was 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 Syria and the 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 drought that they had there and the impact that it had on society. And then society broke down, and then there was obviously the conflict there and the the flow of refugees across Europe. That's just a, a small taster of what's to come if we don't arrest the uh, the the fact that our climate our climate is breaking down. Um, and you know, I'm, you know, people are genuinely scared of what's ahead. Um, I would urge them not to get anxious about it. I, I would urge them to to take action about it. Um, and increasingly, we're finding that the public are are very much in tune with the need to take action, whether that's those living in rural communities or urban communities. Uh, and we just need our MLAs and our ministers to step up to the plate uh, because this is the, the biggest decision and the biggest decisions that they will have in their political careers. Yeah, David, I'll give the final uh, minute or so to you, your, your thoughts on where this debate's going and, and where, where we should end. Uh, two, two things I'd suggest. One was read more on the subject and I can only suggest you read Dieter Helm's book, Net Zero, which is a pretty alarming read. He is one of the great experts on climate change. The second is delivery. Uh, all, all I can tell you, Dohi, is I don't share your same... Uh, I think the act is brilliant, but every night in Botanic Gardens for the last week, the filth and the rubbish, these are kids have all been educated. Somewhere there's something missing. I don't, I don't want to sound patronising or arrogant or misplaced, but there's something wrong that kids think they can leave their crap, excuse my French, in the middle of botanic gardens for somebody else to clean it up. Honestly, the very first sign of a society looking after itself is they look after their rubbish and they put it away in clean places. There's a sickness going on in Northern Ireland. We're a filthy, dirty country and we've got to start sorting ourselves out. And I, I think that's just awful. I just think it's awful. I'm so ashamed of what I see every morning. I'm sorry to sound with my English accent as if I'm some foreigner passing common, but it's not meant that we all live on this planet. I want a better place for all of us. And I don't see behaviours changing at the minute. We have a huge job of work. Okay. Well, okay. A lot uh, of food for thought there. Um, can I just thank you both for um, for taking the time to go through this? I know we've only scratched the surface uh, in this podcast, but again, hopefully we can encourage more debate and more consideration amongst other people by having this conversation. So Di Mackay, David Gavigan, can I thank you very much for taking part in this discussion? Keep Northern Iron Beautiful podcast. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button so you can be reminded of future episodes.